Hi, I'm Mitch Kasprick, and welcome to WinnipegHockeyTalk.com podcast number 75. Today I'm going to be joined by my regular co-host, Daryl Manchalenko, and we're going to talk, uh, obviously, Jets and a little bit about the Bomber game. So, uh, Manny, let's start off with the Jets' homestand. Uh, three wins and a tie, seven or eight points, all things being equal. Pretty successful homestand, I would say. Absolutely, especially coming off of, you know, a really unusual two-week stretch of... Uh, of um you know, really two games stuck in the middle of that 14-day window with the trip to Finland and and then uh, coming back really, Frank, you know, against Colorado and New Jersey who have, you know, New Jersey who hasn't really been off to the same start they had last year or, or competing the same way that they were last year. And, and of course, Colorado um, have been very good, generally speaking, uh, here to start the season. So, Four games at home against, uh, you know, those two teams, the Capitals and Buffalo. It, I wouldn't have put that into the uh, easy category by any stretch of the imagination. So uh, we'll take the points and uh, we'll move on. Yeah, and for me, you know, the NHL is, you know, it's the best players in the world. You know, some teams are better than others. But if you think you can just show up and mail it in, it's not going to happen in this league. Yet, to me, there's no easy games. Uh, sure, you'd rather be at home than on the road. Uh, you know, road games are always tougher. But even home games, you've got to show up and play because, you know, every these guys are all professionals and they're all good teams. And the Buffalo game was a perfect example. We let them hang around in that game way too long. Hutton was magnificent and kept them in the game. They finally, Buffalo finally got their legs in the third period. And uh, actually, I shouldn't say the third it started in the second half of the second period, and it carried on. It was a good hockey game, and that game well, was a, the game was a yeah. coin flip. It was there, it was there to win, and uh, we ended up losing it. But uh, that's the only sour note was losing that game as the fourth game on the homestand. But overall, seven out of eight points, I think we'll take that every time. That that winning percentage is solid. We, you and I, were um, texting back and forth in the middle of that that game on Friday against Buffalo, and and. You know, you could see that game slipping away from the Jets, and 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 it looked like they got too cute at times, and and uh, tried to make one too many pass or make the perfect perfect play, and and you know inadvertently the puck started going back the other way and back the other way, and and uh, Buffalo just just uh, quietly took that game over and and uh, pulled out a win. You know, it's uh, and maybe taking it over doesn't give the Jets enough credit, but, you know, shots being an important metric out there is, uh, you know, it was certainly in Buffalo's favor. Yeah, there was a it was a funny stretch in the second period there where we were kind of all over them, uh, territorially, like lots of good passes, lots of great chances, but a lot of those great chances never even got to the net. Uh, Buffalo seemed to get, you know, in the second half of that game, they were getting in the way of an awful lot of passes and shots and it didn't reflect with the Jets on the on the shot clock. And you know what? I've never been big on that. I know the analytics guys. Um, you know, they. I mean, that's that's the go-to you know uh, thing is shot attempts, right? But many a great team have scored a lot of goals <laughs> in this league and uh, you know, internationally without getting a lot of shots on net. Because uh, to me, uh, <laughs> we we have this this uh, this uh, discussion all the time about uh, the analytics about what I call possession and what you know, the analytics guys call possession. They, they base possession on the shot metric of, you know, uh, shot attempts. Well, I, for me, possession is puck on the stick. You know, 
I go back, I mean, we're older guys, so I remember those Russian teams, and even those old Jet teams in the WHA, they would hang on to the puck in the offensive zone for 25, 30 seconds before taking a shot, and by the time they took that shot, it was an empty netter. So, you know, it's a plus one in the uh, in the Corsi stat, but overall, the, the possession was good. So that's another, another thing. So I can't, uh, the shot metrics doesn't always tell the story. In that second period where it looked like the Sabres were coming on and the Jets weren't getting the shots, you know, uh, on goal, um, they did have the shot attempts, but boy, did uh, uh, Buffalo did a good. You know, I give them full credit; they did a good job in that game. Well, you know, they did. They they absolutely did. And 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 proof in the pudding, they went on back to back nights and went into Minnesota and won a two one hockey game there, I believe it was, or a three two hockey game in Minnesota. So this team's, you know, you can't take them lightly, and and they clearly showed that. What's important to, to to note, though, about the Jets game is over the course of this homestand, they only gave up uh, seven goals, and and one, you know, and one of them is the shootout winner. So you know, really, they've given up uh, uh, six goals in that period, in that in that stretch, and it seems like their their game is starting to come around from a defensive perspective, where the shots are coming from. It is starting to come together a little bit for this team, and and I'm, you know, they've got a tough one in my opinion going into Vancouver tomorrow night, and uh, we'll see if they can continue that play. No, you're right. The the five on five play looked better, and the PK looked better too. And I don't like that PK they use, but they go with that I formation, and they will not let that defenseman tee up that shot like Yandel was doing in the uh, in the Global Series. They want that shot coming from their side. They don't care if it's Ovechkin. They don't care who it is. Helly likes to read that play and then slide over and make the save. So they, they've done a good job on that. I wouldn't want to be a penalty killer in that system because, uh, well, you could take a lot of pucks off the ankles and legs, and that's why I wince every time Wheeler and Scheifele go out to kill penalties. You know, once they get the puck, it's fun, but man... It's a demanding strategy. It is. I don't want my two best players or two or two of my top players, you know, taking pucks off the ankles and for for penalty killing. But that seems to be another thing that's happening in this league. You're starting to see the stars kill penalties. It's almost wonder why it's a, it's almost it almost makes you wonder why they need the the foot soldiers and the fourth liners anymore because the you know the guys that are making the big bucks are are, are playing an awful lot. But uh, yeah, no, you're right. The structure looked a little better. For my liking, though, they still rely on the goaltending a bit too much. Even though they didn't give up a lot of goals, they still give up a lot of real grade-A chances. And uh, and I only base that on other games I watch with other teams that I watch. Um, maybe you're, you know, you're a little more analytical or you, you, you know, you, when you watch your team, you watch it with a different eye and you're a little more critical. You're a little more critical of the bad things and you're a little, little more overjoyed, you know, you get overjoyed by the good things and the great play. But... Uh, yeah, you're right. It's it's coming. I don't know why it's taken this long. I mean, it's basically the same team that was here last year, and it wasn't like it was the third and fourth line guys that were getting mixed around the Rostoviks and the Patans. Those weren't the guys making the big mistakes. There was everybody's made a couple, but our top two lines weren't great. And you know, even the Shifley line, they're just not a very good. De- <laughs> they're not a very good defensive line. Luckily, they have the puck on the other end a lot, but when they don't. Uh, they they struggle, and it's a carryover from last year, and it gets overshadowed by the points they put up. So, I mean, that's what it's all about nowadays. You know, if you can outscore your mistakes, but uh, yeah, they're not. Uh, it's it's you know what? It's still a working process. And Paul Maurice has even said, 
This is not the same team we had at the end of last year. Well, I beg to differ. It's uh, it's three quarters the same team. It seems like a lot of teams like Nashville and others have kind of picked it up where they've left off. But uh, yeah, we're, we're we're working on it, I guess, right? Everybody's games are starting to change, though. You know, early season offense was, I mean, it was out of this world. And in, uh, I think it was Friday night, uh, six out of the seven games or five out of the six games went to overtime. Three went to, were settled in overtime and two went to a shootout. The games are already starting to get tighter. And so maybe the brand of hockey we've been playing or trying to get to is going to be a lot more sustainable uh, going forward as we, you know, we get into December and, um, you know, maybe this is, uh, you know, chemistry is a fickle thing. You know, you're, you're, you're in a groove, you're, everything's going well. You're feeling, you know, it's like a golf game. You're feeling every shot, you're feeling every, every green and, you know, you're getting great reads on the green. You can't do that every every round of golf, and I think that hockey is very similar in terms of team chemistry. Is knowing where your players are and and your your line mates and 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 just getting that chemistry going again takes some time, and and I think it's starting to starting to come around here for sure. Just before we uh, uh, move on from the homestand, I just wanted to get a couple quick thoughts from you on the Jets' fourth line with uh, you know with Perot. Roslovic and Patan. I have my thoughts on it, but I want you to go first. Um, they're getting more ice time because they've they're earning it, and but the games have been they've been weird. And what I mean by that is lots of PK, lots of power play. Generally speaking, you know, I, with the exception of the last few games where we haven't had much in that that regard. But you know. At, in terms of the first 18 games. Um, so it's it's a difficult task for those guys. I think that's probably, you know, the best fourth line that we've had since Cop and Tanev and Laurie were tagged the fourth line. Right. Uh, you know, there's certainly way more talent than that line is concerned. And, and, and I guess we have to start looking at it from who's first line, second line, third line, fourth line, because that's a collection of four lines that can throw different skill sets at you. And that's, that is hard for, for a lot of hockey teams in this league to deal with. Well, I really, I, I think for the first time, like I really like the four lines right now. I think this is their optimum four lines. Um, I, I like the mix. And anytime you put Matty Perot on the line, they are, they are no longer the fourth line. And like you said, because uh, there wasn't a lot of special teams last game, they got a lot of ice time, that line, and they were actually quite effective. I just liked the way they looked. I'd like to see them stick together and play together more. I like the four lines as they are right now, and I'd just like to see Maurice stick with it a bit. Uh, you know, it's nice to see Line A back, you know, up where he belongs. Um, he's not really, you know, a guy that should be on the Lowry line, but whatever. That line's good together. So, yeah, uh, so far so good. I'd like to see that a little more, a little more. And I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of Sammy Nico to see what's going on with him. But uh, I was kind of hoping he'd get, he would have got into the lineup here in the, these two home games, but yeah. maybe on the road's a better place to start him. Um, you know, less prying eyes and all the rest of that stuff. You know, it's a uh, uh, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if we see him against Vancouver. Yeah, maybe it's it's a, for me it's a tougher game on the road. 
and I would have done the other thing, play him where he's comfortable, he knows the rink and everything, but that's another story. But uh, let's speak of another Finn right now, and uh, uh, Christian Veselainen was uh, called up to the Jets on Friday, uh, a few hours before his midnight deadline where his uh, his opt-out could have kicked in, and uh, you know, was it, do you think, I mean, he's got eight points in eight games with the Moose, was it a legit call-up? Or are the Jets messing with him? Is it a screw you thing to his agent? Uh, what's the overall feel of this move? I just, I, I don't see him getting into this lineup, so I'm just wondering what's going on. I think this is a rather unique situation that is something that, you know, should be, um, you know, looked at very closely and, and with a, you know, a discerning eye. If you look at Kyle Connor last year when he was, he started the year and ended up back with the Moose, and he ended up playing uh, how many games? I think it was 25 games or 30 games down there and then got the call up. And it, the the training or the, the skills that he, he worked on down there, it, it was clear when he came back up he was a different player. Eight games, and, and unfortunately he had an injury. Vasilainen... I'm not sure he's been able to, uh, like, how, I question how much he would be able to ingrain the new skills or the, the aspects of his game that the Jets sent him down to work on. So so I, by a process of elimination, I think all of this is relative to this clause. And I, I've never seen kind of a... Um, an, Odd, it's almost an odd response to to a couple of things. One, the report after uh, Jokerit acquired his rights uh, back in Finland in the KHL, and the, this deadline that came up, and his, his getting called up, I think was a pure circumvention of ensuring that this clause didn't get executed. And secondly... I don't believe the Jets knew when that report came out where this all came from. I think they got cut off guard just the same. So maybe was this a a power play by his agent, Veselanian's agent, to to do something, either get him called up or let him go back to Finland. And and to me that 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 is very concerning on the agent side of things. The player not realizing that, you know what, maybe being here is, and, and I think playing in the AHL is better for his development if the NHL is where he wants to go. Um, so it's it's very concerning. And the Jets having to force the, their hand to do what they did. Like, that is my gut feeling on this, is that this was all driven by these two or three events that took place and I think the Jets' hand was forced a, a little bit here. Yeah. Well, it was forced a lot. Yeah. Just uh, for the listeners out there that are wondering, uh, this opt-out clause that he has or that he signed was only good in the first year of his entry-level contract. And anytime he gets sent back down to the Moose or the AHL, he has, uh, he has the option to invoke that clause again so he could end up in Joker it. Is that a mutual a mutual decision though? Now that the deadline is passed, I don't think so. The way I mean, <laughs> without actually talking, I think I don't know if the Jets have actually addressed that. 
but uh, from a lot of the the insiders that seem to know, uh, that seems to be the theory or the you know the that uh, that yes, if he gets sent down, he can, he has he still can he can still use the opt out uh, in the first year of his ELC. Hmm. Interesting. So, so theoretically, if he's here for another, let's say this road trip, uh, and uh, he he gets sent down, he could be in a position to want to go back to to Finland again. Yeah, and I think that's the plan. So uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, the thing that's funny about the NHL is the Jets are just, they know that there's going to be injuries. It always happens. And he's kind of, the, I, I don't know if he's, I don't know who's next up, Lemieux or him. I would, it, I'm going to guess it's probably him. But, I mean, a lot of it goes like, see, we, we look at the day-to-day stuff. We hear the day-to-day stuff. But, you know, the coaching staff, they do a lot of evaluations by what they see in practice. Practice for these young guys is almost like games for them. So um, I don't go out to the Iceplex and, <laughs> and see them practice, so I couldn't tell you who looks good or bad. All I know is that they're both going to work their asses off to get in the lineup. And, uh, you know, at some point in time, uh, I don't mind best line in this game. I, I kind of like what I've seen for the most part, but I just don't see him jumping in right now. I don't think, I don't think he can unseat anybody that's in the lineup right now. No, he cannot. And, I'll, I'll, and... I'll do respect to the Brandon Tanev haters. No, he's he's not uh, he's not ready to play. Uh, you know, <coughs> excuse me, at this level uh, th- th- just yet. He's he his his game. He just doesn't have the confidence to go out there. He looks like he's thinking about it too much. And and you know, and it should also be pointed out that Maurice mentioned something in I think it was uh, uh, post game. Buffalo or practice on Saturday morning. There was a reference that they were good. You know, he he clearly stated, "We want to get him into a few practices, see where he's at, and then let management decide what's what." To me, another indicator, and and Maurice, and to your point, Maurice values practice time for sure. I mean, he wants to see certain certain things, and he has a good idea of what he needs to see in practice. To give him some confidence to, you know, put him, in, insert him into the lineup. But his comment about management making a decision just reinforces my thought that this is a call up driven around the circumstances of his deadline and things that happened that probably the Jets weren't very happy about. Yep, that's that's the that's the feel I got on it too. It was uh, uh, there was something uh, something weird about that one. Um... Moving on, just a thought on Laurent Brossois. Um, guy hasn't played in three weeks. Uh, he kind of stones the Sabres uh, with a great effort, you know, losing in the shootout, but a great effort again. And uh, his numbers are gaudy. Like, they're real, real good. And now, if you know, if you're looking at his numbers, you go, those look like starters numbers are out of this world. But uh, right now, there's no threat of him you know, like bumping out. Hell, he is the number one goaltender. But I would say... He's probably making a good case for himself to maybe uh, get himself a little extension here because he only signed that one-year contract basically at minimums, right? So, yeah, is he playing his way into a contract? You think? Um, well, I think it's too soon for that. Sure. Uh, yeah. You know, he's he's got uh, he's got you know barely a handful of games under his belt, and and he's going to get another one on this road trip. Um, you know. Likely the St. Louis game, I'm thinking. 
you know, the back end of the double uh, or back to backs next weekend. Um, you know, it, it kind of lines up good there for, for Connor to, uh, for Heli to play uh, Vancouver, Calgary, Minnesota. So, you know, he's good. He's got the confidence of that team to, to be able to go out and do his thing. And, you know, the team is playing reasonably well in front of him. And uh, he's making some great stops, you know. And he's got a hell of a back end. He hit the post on that one shot, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> he's a better puck handler than uh, than Hellebuck. But that, you never know it by that play. <laughs> yeah. well, that was a that was a heart uh, stopper there, that's for sure. Yeah, but he looks like a solid guy so far. And they, they work out together and obviously get along. So they're a nice tandem. And I just hope that he can uh, keep up this good play because... You know what happens? As soon as you sign that contract, all of a sudden you're going to the crappery, so let's keep them hungry. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. Um, another thing I want to touch on now, I mean, and it's not because it was Josh Morrissey and the hit with TJ Oshie, and there was the Tanev thing last week, and then there was a, you know, the Malkin hit. Now, I'm getting a little concerned now that the media and fans now, like, I mean, I'm older, and I just think this whole generation of hockey fans is soft. I know the game is changing, and I get that, but it's almost like it's almost like it's Gary Bettman's. His ultimate goal was to get this to be like women's Olympic hockey. Not that that's a bad thing, but uh, you can't take hitting out of the game. And there's referees on the ice, and they call penalties. They call penalties for a reason. Does every hit have to go under the microscope of a suspension? Oh my God, you know I can't take it. And it, I I watch a lot of hockey. I watch three four games a day. And then the next day, I watch replays in the morning that are on TV. So I'm catching a lot of hockey. And the announcers, you know, because most of these these broadcasts are regional and they're meant for, you know, they're meant for the regional fans. And, you know, they're all, we're, they're all basically homers. And I don't, I'm okay with that because that's just, that's just the way it is. But you watch a, a Jet game with our announcers and then watch the visiting team with their announcers. And both are calling for the same thing. <laughs> you know, like one 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 side is saying it's a headshot, it's this, it's that, and like uh, the you should have heard the New Jersey guys um, with Bufflin's hit on Boyle. They're saying they watched the replay four times and it was definitely a headshot. Our guys and our media guys tweeting on Twitter and the guys in the broadcast booth are going, booth, they're going, we watched the replay four times and it was definitely on the shoulder. So. Somewhere in between lies the truth, but you know what? I, I, I don't get it. I mean, why is everything under such a microscope right now? Well, I guess the NHL has brought that on themselves a little bit with some question, you know, some questionable decisions when it comes to player safety in terms of, you know, how do they evaluate? And and the NHL, when you have a, a Tom Wilson scenario like we had last week that got it his suspension reduced six games. So to me that, I mean, that's an astronomical number in terms of a reduction. So I really think players, the department of safety, fans, media, and the media are closer to fans than, than they would like to admit, um, you know, purely because of what you just alluded to. There's a lot of, you know, biased opinion in, in, in these cases. And I've, I've been traveling uh, on the road, uh, you know, f- for my paying job for the last numerous weeks, and listening to XM radio and and games uh, on in other cities, and I completely agree with you. It's the same, you know, what we hear in Winnipeg from our 
media fans is identical to what's going on on the other side. And so there's a little bit of hysteria because of the inconsistency of calls. Everybody's become way more sensitive to these issues. And they're probably right in doing so. So it's creating a never-ending cycle of, of, of angst around every hit. And it's going to end up, to, and I think this is where you were going, it's going to end up becoming a detriment to the league and the game because they're putting every little rub, every and, and then and then saying, well, that was he intended to hit the guy in the head and the guy in the next analysis says there's clearly no intent and it goes on. And now we're judging intent in, in the media and in, you know, in public uh, forum, it's gotten to become quite ridiculous in my opinion. And, and the game's only going to suffer because the physicality in the game has to stay. It is part of what makes the game so good. Um, and, so it, it we are kind of at this dangerous stage. No, for sure. And here's the thing. Um, hockey's a fast game, and these guys are smart guys. And for the most part, this newer, the new generation of players, they, they play the game differently. They don't play to hurt guys like Scott Stevens because the rules have changed. They've grown up with these newer rules, so they get it. And, That's right. And when things are happening that fast, there's no way there's intent. You can't measure intent. I mean... You know, after it's all said and done, when you slow it down ten times, you're trying, like, yeah, sure, it looks, it, it can look bad, but in the heat of that, and you know, you hear that excuse, well, in the heat of the battle, but it's the truth. The game is fast, and things happen fast, and you know, after something happens, the guy goes, "Oh, geez, I didn't mean to do that." But I mean, you got two, you got two guys fighting for an inch of ice, and uh, you know, contact happens, and things are going to happen. Uh, we, we just can't overanalyze everything and want to crucify a guy every time somebody. You know, false to the ice. I mean, the officials are on the ice. They call the penalties as they seem, and let's uh, let's just move on. Uh, I don't want to Mike, talk. Go ahead, Mike. Mike, Mike McIntyre penned an article in in the uh, Free Press um, at the end of the week regarding you know this edge that the Jets are supposedly playing on, and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And I thought it was a bit of a. I didn't like the article because I think it puts things in a different in in a in a negative light, and but you know, hockey plays are no longer hockey plays, and 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 that's I don't I I don't like the cheap cheap stuff. I don't like all of those things. But if we're going to create a an environment of you know from fans and media, because let's be honest, it's the media driving these issues, right? They get on they get on a topic. They're the, the spokesman and the unofficial spokesman of some teams. Uh, you name it. It's all happening. And it just makes for a difficult game to, to, to follow outside of the games. Well, talk you know, radio. It's, it's hard to hard to listen to that stuff. Yeah, talk radio is built on that. It gives it's it's, it's their talking points, right? So it's good. But yeah, so that's so they get magnified, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're talking about it here now, but you know, it's it's not good for the game that it's getting dissected. And frankly, video review plays a role in that. Yeah, okay? no, for sure. You know, like it's. You know, when they decided to come out with video review, and I think, and we touched on it in, my, in our last pod, be careful what you ask for. And we're seeing some of the ripple effects of, of video review to the detriment of the game. Yep. 
before we go on and talk a little bit about the the uh, West final today with Calgary in Calgary, uh, I just wanted to, well, let's just touch on the Jets' upcoming road trip. They have a four-game road trip. They play four games this week. They start off tomorrow in Vancouver. Uh, then they play in Calgary, then in Mini, then in St. Louis. And, you know, as usual, anytime, I you know, I always like to say, win three-quarters of your games at home and win half on the road, and you've got a nice record, you're going to be in the playoffs and maybe a top-three seed. Uh, so I'm going to say the same thing. I'd like to see four points out of this uh, road trip. I'd be happy with five and thrilled with six. But uh, it always gets a little dicey when you lose the first one. Let's win the first one. And, you know, you, you can't win You can't win four until you win the first one, right? So I'd like to see them sweep it. But nowadays, uh, going on the road, and especially when your team is still a work in process and not perfect yet, it's a lot to ask. I'm not saying they can't do it. They've done it in the past. But uh, um, I'd, I'd like to see four points to at least uh, two good wins, two clean wins, especially in the divisional games. I don't want to see any three-point games. I want to see two clean wins. Uh, come back because our record right now is 11, 11, 5, and 2. Let's you split this road trip, you come home and you're 13, 7, and 2. That's pretty solid. I can live with that. What about you? I think this is a really defining road trip for the Jets. And uh, you know, they got four games in in uh, six nights, I guess that is. Eh? Yeah. So, you know, it's not an easy road trip going from the west coast back to the central, uh, back to back. It's, I think. And Vancouver's not a pushover. Yep. Calgary, well, you know, you don't know what you're going to get with Calgary. Minnesota's been playing great. And St. Louis has been, you know, hit and miss. But they've pulled out some pretty nice wins in the last week or so. Yeah. So, uh, so I think this is a very important, important four-game stretch. It's an important road trip. Um, I think if the Jets walked away three and one with this, you could feel confident that this team is has um, you know got his game their game to a consistency level that uh, is you know it may not look like it did last year, but it's you know it's in that category of the uh, top echelon of the league, you know. And we have a very good hockey team, so let's not forget that, you know. Like, uh, but I would like to see three three uh, wins you know because I'm, I'm looking for some validation on this road trip i guess hmm. yeah i think that might be a tall order but uh it doesn't mean it can't be done i mean they could go four and oh and they could but then again they could shit the bed and come home on four too i mean that that's oh, that's, right. that's the type of team they are but uh that's why i'm just gonna go conservative and say i come home with four points i'm a happy guy come back with four points and how they played will probably be the most important piece for sure but um, you know, I, I think this is a big road trip. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, um, let's talk a little bit about the Western final today. Uh, I think the Bombers, what was the final score? 22-14 for Calgary. Uh, the score was fairly close. Actually, the game was fairly close for the most part. Uh, Calgary had two big hitters in the second quarter. Uh, kind of pulled away a bit. Bombers hung around, but, you know, it's funny. I watched the game, and usually I'm intense and angry and whatever i watched the game i was fairly calm um and i think it was because you know i still had hope but i just never saw any threat i had no hope that they could move the ball i thought lapo's game plan i don't know i'm going to put it all on him uh lapo's game plan uh it, it, it didn't look very good to me and calgary was able to rush four guys and put constant pressure on our all-star offensive line a uh, little bit of sarcasm in that but uh 
and they're young, so I'll cut them some slack there. But, uh, boy, if you can rush for and put pressure on, yeah, there's no wonder our guys weren't getting open back there. I mean, Nichols had no time. He looked scared. He had happy feet. Um, I don't know why we didn't see more of Strevler and a lot more Banjo Harris. I, I didn't like I didn't like a lot of things about that game. The defense wasn't great, and actually sometimes they were great at times. Uh, they were as good as the front four and the pressure they put on Bo Levi Mitchell, but they played that soft zone. It drives me. I could pull my hair out. It's a good thing I got lots of hair. I'm a 63-year-old guy, and I still got a good lid. <laughs> <laughs> Would you? What were your thoughts on it? Uh, I think that, you know, when you give up uh, 22 points to a team like Calgary, your defense has done a good job. Yep. And within that that game, though, there were moments where, you know, we needed to be stout a little bit and, you know, so call it bad timing to not be as sharp. But this does come all down to the uh, to the offense. This game was about the offense. And, and maybe some discipline, too. You know, there were some penalties out there that hurt us. Um, our, our, but it, it's it's about the offense. And whether that, that receiving core was able to get open or not, or uh, or some bad reads on the part of Nichols. And I, and I tend to think it's a combination of both. You know, the receivers couldn't get get open they were the secondary for calgary is the gold standard in my opinion yeah they were like a blanket and, yeah they were good you know and and our defense are you know compared their secondary to ours they you know showed why they're they're the gold standard but nichols also made some you know some bad reads and um some balls he shouldn't have thrown i don't find our our offense is not a championship offense so you know whatever we've got a championship running back we have an all-star running back we have you know in my opinion an mop quality player in the backfield our offensive line who i think uh probably didn't have the game they would have liked no but at the same time we have an offensive line that is deep and lots of talent yeah they're young you know, so I don't know if it's the receiving core or the quarterback or a combination of the two, but that's where we lost the game today. And and there's some interesting, interesting uh, players available uh, as free agents, and uh, it'll be curious to see if if the Bombers feel they need to go in a different direction. Yeah, you're you're right about that. So yeah, the season's done overall. It's uh. Like for me, it's another 28-year disappointment. Let's keep on counting, you know. I don't. Uh, I think I've seen, I'm, I'm 90 years old, and I've seen two cups in my lifetime in an 18 or 19 league, so I'm not thrilled right now. But uh, Well, you know, here's the problem. I'm too for old? For every year that goes by with, <laughs> with you know, the lack of, uh, of uh, success, it's an 18 league. And every year that goes by and we don't win a championship, the level of apathy and indifference continues to grow. Well, it's a nine-team league. You know, the... Uh, or a nine-team league. Yeah, group. the Atlantic Schooners or the Atlantic Storm are going to come in and they'll win a cup before us. So, uh, on, on that parting shot, zing. Well, Ottawa's in the third Grey Cup in four years. Yeah, so, I don't want to talk about it. Do the math from there. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, uh, Manny, thanks for uh, dropping by tonight and getting this thing done. We'll... Uh, We'll be back again next Monday. Um, 
for all our listeners out there, I mean, it's the same old thing. You can catch us on iTunes, uh, Podomatic, Stitcher, Spotify, Anchor FM, blah, 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 blah. Uh, if you look anywhere you look for podcasts, you'll, you'll probably find us on there. And uh, we'd like you guys taking the time to listen to us. If you have any questions, send them to AskWHD. Hashtag AskWHD Potter. Send us a Daryl Ryder a message on Twitter. We'll uh, answer your questions. And uh, uh, once again, uh, say goodbye for this week, and we'll see you next Monday. Thanks a lot, Daryl. Take care.